Welcome to Life And. I'm your host, Tanya Verkaitis. Life And is a new storytelling podcast centered on first-person, true experiences created in partnership between the Lackawanna and Luzerne County Medical Societies, Scranton Fringe, and Park Multimedia. As you may know, each episode features a different storyteller who will tell their story in their own words. We continue our first season exploring experiences and narratives dealing with substance misuse. This episode's powerful story comes from Alyssa. Alyssa is a survivor of sex trafficking and a woman in recovery with a message of a miracle to share. Please be aware that some of the content may be a trigger for some listeners. If you or someone you know needs help, One of the resources you can use is the National Human Trafficking Hotline, toll-free, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's at 1-888-373-7888. There you can speak with a specially trained anti-trafficking hotline advocate. Support is provided in more than 200 languages. Okay. All right. My name is Alyssa. I am from New Jersey. I what well, I'm 28 years old. I was a pastry chef for eight years. I had a okay upbringing. I was, you know, I did um a little bit of a whatever a teenage moment like everyone else and I ended up getting involved in prostitution. I ended up having drugs control a lot of the decisions in my life. Um I you know it gradually went from small drugs to heroin to in and out of rehabs. I've been to like sixteen rehabs countless recovery houses, countless sober, like, programs, all these things, and I just did not want to, I did not know what was going on, um, but from all of the trying to get where I need to be, I ended up in York, Pennsylvania, I ended up meeting someone, ended up meeting someone who was a pimp and um I couldn't take I couldn't not take up the offer. He sold me a complete fairy tale of what I could do to get my fines paid off. I oh I was in and out of jail. I um definitely wanted uh to believe that that was like a family type dynamic. Um I ended up going to Reading, Lancaster, all these places, traveling, going through hotels, um, and then ended up, um, getting arrested from, in Allentown for prostitution and solicitation. I was busted by Homeland Security, and it was a prostitution ring, all these things I had no idea were a thing, like, I was, you could not tell me anything that was like a way of life that was my lifestyle. And when detectives sat down with me, I 
um, was adamant about that. I refused to go anywhere but to jail. Um, once I went there, it was, once I got out of jail, I was dropped off. I was left for, you know, have fun figuring out life on your own. I was in and out on the streets and jail rehabs. I was prostituting on the streets. I'm um, walking in Patterson, New Jersey, in the, the abandoned buildings, just like holding. I was just holding on to this. I have ruined everything. I was put on articles of like the news and just, it was so bad for me to redeem myself. I felt like I could not. So um, I end up in and out of jail, methadone clinic. I end up going to, I end up just couldn't, uh, I don't know. Um, Let me think. I eventually couldn't even get high anymore. I would try to shoot up one place. It would come out the other hole. That was just like the worst part. I would look outside and see people who were living their lives. And like I couldn't even get out of of the room or wherever I was. I would hate every part about tricking and men. And I would envision myself like just turning the wheel in a car with a John and just killing us both. So I end up, actually FBI comes to my house and they want to talk about the sting that I had been involved in. They want to talk about the pimp and I'm under the assumption that I'm going to jail. So I know that it started with Homeland Security in Allentown. I was arrested on an airport road with four other women. It was, um, it was not, it, um, I just remember opening the door for once again, like for another date and Homeland Security came in. Um, I, I was just immediately on my knees crying. It was, they searched the room. They found everything, all the drugs, all the money. They asked me who my daddy is. Cause that is what like, uh, like that is what you refer to your pimp at that time um i went to jail and then homeland security and the detectives want to talk to me they want this man so bad that they were willing to let me go and put a wire on me put a, something in my phone and get this man um arrested but like i am a drug addict at the time i am strung out i am absolutely brainwashed i'm like completely you could not tell me that this man was making me do these things um so i run away from allentown and all of that charges and three years later because i'm still wanted in um pennsylvania i hide to new jersey three years later um fbi comes to my house because this man is in federal prison that's where fbi gets involved they have a lot of questions about how I got arrested. Um, it was a whole, uh, I, I think it was an after the fact thought of like, where did these women go? And, um, I testified for being coerced. I am told that he is in federal prison and that I can 
get my charges taken away. So with that grasp of like, oh my gosh, I could like absolutely not have to deal with this. I can move on because for a while I couldn't. Um, so I refused to face this. Um, what ended up happening is I went to a program called Bloom in Banger, Pennsylvania. Um, it was, I met these amazing women. I met a community of people and everybody says this, but like I met these women who just were, they went, it went against everything I knew and it went against the grain of what growing up in a lifestyle like that entailed. Bloom is a house. There were eight girls living there at the time. I came in with all my stuff. Um, it looked like I was homeless because I was. Um, I came in with a fitted, a, a hat backwards. I did not trust anybody. I mean, it was beyond trust. Like, I had no hope for this program. I had no hope for me. I just wanted to be there long enough. I thought it would be a miracle to be saved. To be, not even to be saved. It would be a miracle for someone to put hope in me in this just pattern and cycle of putting myself, like, putting myself through traumatic things. And they give you a brochure when you come there before you get there and i just couldn't imagine living with women i could not you know i couldn't i met i met this girl who works there and we work together now in the truth in truth for women she looked at my stuff and um i was so quiet i was so quiet i actually got sick the first night because i was so scared because I don't know how to live a life without men in it. I don't know how to live a life without um, without a substance. I mean, the women were so friendly. I mean, I was I gave I was willing to give this a chance, and it gave me enough rope to either hang myself or like make something beautiful out of it. And I. I mean, that was what, uh, maybe 18 months ago, almost two years ago, and I got off the methadone. It was a hard, hard process. I, I stayed, it, it's a two-year program. I stayed there for a year and a half, maybe a little over a year. I'm sorry. I stayed there for a little over a year. I got my car, I mean, I got my fines um, taken care of. I got the prostitution thing taken care of. I met all these women who were just like rooting for me when everyone else wasn't in my life. I am now in school. I am studying for social work. I'm about to transfer to a four year. I just want to keep going, like just keep going. Um, And I work in a woman's emergency shelter for sex trafficking. Women who have been sex trafficked and need somewhere to go immediately to think like to find another way and i work there with women who are who have been with me on this journey and it is just incredible um and yeah i think that is about it so Alyssa, first of all i really just want to say 
Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being willing to be vulnerable because I'm sure in one sense, there's pleasure in sharing in the sense that this is what you do in your community now. This is how you help other women. But I'm sure it's not easy, no matter how many times you do it. So thank you. The first thing that I wanted to say is the statement that you made about Bloom House being a miracle or the opportunity being a miracle really struck me. Um, and the words you actually said was that you had the opportunity to believe in hope again. And that is something that I find to be absolutely beautiful. What I wonder, though, is why do you think that rehab and the other opportunities that you had before this didn't work for you? Okay, I've been to so many rehabs, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna act like when I went to a rehab at first, because <laughs> It's all recycled material. I think we all know that. Um, it is just to get off of the substances. It's a, it's basically time away. But like, what happens after that is what Bloom is for. And that basically was what I got. It's something that you can't put in a curriculum. You can't put in a schedule. It was a lot, a, a lot of life lessons that um, a rehab just cannot give you. So it sounds like one of the important factors for you, but might also be for other people, even if they're not in the same boat as you, is having people like you root for you. Right. So that's your support network, someone who understands exactly what you've been through. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of that? Oh, yeah. Um, I the first 90 days I latched on to people because I didn't know how to live my life. Um, there were plenty of women who I would look up to. I'd see women making phone calls at the art studio, which is part of Bloom. I'd see what them making appointments and I'd be like, wow, like, oh my gosh, that's, um, like what it, what a concept to make appointments during your day, just the little things in life that nobody really, it, right. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's really interesting when you put it in perspective like that, right? There are the things that we do on a daily basis that became very foreign for you. Because another thing that you said was talking about fear of a new life. So you're in this rut uh, that's a cycle, right? That just yeah. continues. And now you're given this opportunity to start over. That fear, was that a motivator or, and you don't have to tell anyone else's story. Do you think that fear can be a setback for some people? I think fear is a setback for only a, a little bit of time. If you let fear control it, it will control it. Like, um, I saw that once I tried to, like, even a little bit of growth. I mean, when I went to rehab, like, I didn't, 
I couldn't muster up conversations. Like, only thing I could say was, like, um, what's good? Like, you know, like, I only had the mind frame of someone that only needs to have a transaction. And, um, once I realized, like, I can form words and, like, I can, like, grow. Like, even if that little tiny thing of, like, I can have a semi-conversation that is semi, like, getting somewhere you have to have evidence that there's going to be more like if that worked from there to there like what are what are the chances that I'll fail you know like fear no long like for a long time fear is so um it can influence you to stay back but like at one point you're just like you know what I I can't like I have to go for it I love the fact that you said use the word transaction. Mm -hmm. That is so powerful. And it puts your whole experience into perspective because everything prior to this was a transaction of sorts, right? So now that you're at Bloom, what do you look forward to most? Like what does the future look like for Alyssa when she says, all right, this this is how I want life to be. Well, I did. I'm not in Bloom anymore. I live in my own apartment right now. I pay my own bills. I'm pretty self-sufficient. I drive. My life is full. And I already work in such a place where, like, the need is so great there. Like, women need help where I work. Um... I don't know. I I just the the place I work at it is full of women who are in this starting phase where like they don't trust anyone. We are gonna lie to them is what they're thinking and like they're not worthy of a place in life. And that is what my life consists of is trying to say like otherwise like no like girlfriend like you deserve this place in the world and I know like it was I know where you've been and like let me help you get to where you need to go because it's so possible because for a long time I I did not want to believe and I you could not could not tell me that this was all possible so now that I am on my own like I want to keep going with my education like and not only like get a master's like I want to get um I guess it would be a PhD or a doctorate in social work or PhD in social work I don't know (laughs) I want to keep going and like influence change in this because somebody you know 18 months ago like looked at me and said like you are enough and you are worth it That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, Thank you for giving back. Thank you for helping other people. And thank you for having this conversation with us and sharing your story. Thank you. This podcast and the ability to share stories like Alyssa's can only grow with your help. Please subscribe, share, and review Life And on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Be it iTunes, Spotify, or any other site, 
your support means a great deal. We are also accepting stories for next season, which will focus on stories of isolation. With the pandemic, we are all feeling a little isolated right now, but there are so many other types of isolation, whether it be from family because of distance, loved ones because of incarceration, your community because of mental illness, or even yourself because you don't feel like you belong in your own body. As we share stories under the umbrella of substance use, we have to acknowledge the causes of misuse and mental health is a top priority. If you're interested, please find us at Life and on Facebook or send an email to lifeandpodcasts at gmail.com. Again, that is Life and on Facebook or send an email to lifeandpodcasts at gmail.com. Special thanks to Park Multimedia and Scranton Fringe for their collaboration on this podcast. Until next time, listeners, remember to breathe and to make time for stories, yours and others. <laughs>